The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Hey, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, what we're doing around the world. We've got a, also just got a, past, a couple of passages of scripture I want to share with you. But before I get to that, just uh, quickly, uh, Pastor John mentioned my book. It's called The Benable Phenomena. This book is only for people that want to transform their, their lives. Um, you wouldn't bother buying this if you just want a nice read. Um, it's the only book you're going to see that you don't know whether that's the front cover or the back cover because when you open it that way, it's upside down. And the reason for that is this book is meant to turn your world upside down. Yeah, very good. And it's got baking paper in here too. So my handwritten drawings for how I actually designed the book are on baking paper. So if you don't like the book, at least you can bake a cake, you know, and, uh, and I reckon that's pretty good. Who wants this one? Because I can't be bothered taking it home with me. I, 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 yeah, you can have it. Hey, bro. Can you catch? Seriously. Oh, look at that. Come on. Where are the recruiters from the Sydney Swans? You'd get a game. That was awesome. And uh, anyone else, um, you can still get one. That'll just cost you $30, that's all. And uh, you can get it at the info desk. There's a few that left there. We're actually down to our last 100 books of our first uh, print run, so that's pretty cool. I'm cert- about to have a second edition on my, my latest book. My latest book is my first book, by the way, but, um, <laughs> but uh, very good. Hey, there's uh, other, other stuff out there. If you're interested in finding out more about what we do with church planning, there's, uh, these, there's some of these out there, but just chuck your name down and we can send it to you. Also, if, you're, uh, if you know someone or you're someone that really needs to get a breakthrough in their business, we run a mentoring program called M Club, which is basically metamorphic on speed for people in the developed world. And so we run that program on the Sunshine Coast and it's really been effective. We've seen, you know, we saw a guy in our first year who increased his business by over $3 million in the first year. How many people know that's pretty cool? How many people could do with a $3 million increase? There you go. I didn't cost you. I won't tell you how much it'll cost you. You have to apply first. But anyway, so, uh, but I want to talk to you about what we're doing around the world and, uh, and just sort of start by, by saying this, that uh, when we started Metamorphic, and I'll talk about the dates and that in a moment, uh, we were sitting in that second... You, you were sitting in my seat. I was sitting right there in that seat there. It's a great seat. You never know what can happen to you if you sit in that seat long enough. And, uh, but we were, Jules and I were coming here and uh, we'd been in ministry for many years, as Pastor John mentioned. We'd uh, planted churches in, in Ulladulla and other places on the south coast before that in Melbourne and, uh, and so forth. And, uh, but we're sitting here and God really moved us to start a church planning movement that would change the way missions is done forever. And so we went about that and, uh, and we birthed that out of this church. So whether you like it or not, you are absolutely connected to everything we ever do. That's a pretty cool thing. And so we, we say that because we want to honour uh, both uh, John and Anne uh, as our pastors, but also Pastor Helen, who's been an incredible encouragement. And, uh, and I, she has saved me from so many things by praying, uh, things that I don't even know were about to happen. Uh, we just know that we are sustained by the generosity and the love of this church. And so, so we'll talk a bit more about that. Turn your Bibles to a book of Ezekiel and chapter 22. And I just want to read this one passage to get us started. What page is Ezekiel in? What's that? Oh, thank you. 1,225. It's near 378. What do you got? You got a New Testament and Ezekiel, not a New Testament and Psalms. 
I'm a new version of the Bible. I like that, Anne. All right, it says this in verse 24. Look, that's enough frivolity for one day. No more laughing. Okay, we're going to get serious. Um, just let them know I'm not available. <laughs> it says this in verse 24. Uh, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets. I want you to get the different types of people in this. Prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion, tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They've taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. It's quite depressing, really, this passage of Scripture, but we'll make some sense of it at some stage. The second group of people, verse 26, says, Her priests have violated by law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They've hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Then there's a third group of people in verse 27. It says, her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Back to the prophets because we've had not enough of a swing at them yet. It says in verse 28, her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus saith the Lord when the Lord had not spoken. Verse 29, the people, that's the fourth group of people, they're called people. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery and mistreated the poor and needy and they wrongly, uh, wrongfully oppressed the stranger. And verse 30, which is where I really want to center on for a couple of moments, says, so I thought, sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found not one. This morning's message is simply called, if you see a gap, stand in it. How many people know that's what missions is all about? If you see a gap, we need to stand in it. And in this passage of scripture here, what we find is uh, God is saying, well, you know what? There's a whole lot of people I went to. There were princes, there were priests, there were prophets, there were people. And I looked for someone that would stand in the gap and I couldn't find one. And the reason was, was not just because they were doing evil things. It was basically because they were distracted. And the thing is, when we get distracted... We miss the opportunity that God puts before us. Anyone ever been distracted before in their lives? I certainly have. We can be distracted by business. We can be distracted by relationships. We can be distracted by ministry. We can be distracted by what was on the front cover of the, of the newspaper this morning. We can be distracted by which political power is in, in force. We can be distracted by this lobby and this group. And, and there's so many things that could distract us away from what God has called us to be and to do. And in this passage of Scripture... He says, you know what? I found a bunch of distracted people and I looked for someone that would stand in the gap and I couldn't find anybody. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to stir you up in this place to grab this faith promise card and say, you know what? I'm going to see a gap. How many people know this represents a gap? It's a gap somewhere in the world. It could be a gap in Turkey. It could be a gap in Cambodia. It could be a gap in somewhere in Europe like Moldova. It could be a gap in Uganda. It could be anywhere. It could be a gap in our local community. And this represents that gap. And this morning in this place, I want to encourage you to say, you know what? I'm going to pick this thing up and I'm going to see a gap and I'm going to stand in that gap in Jesus' name. I reckon that's a pretty cool thing. You know, I'm probably not going to say much more than that. So we can go now if you like. No, we're not really going. But that's really all I've come here to say to you today is, you know what, we need to find a gap and stand in it. Pastor John said this morning that uh, every year, and the, the amount of people, the amount of dollars you've raised over the years for missions, to be frank with you, I go, I preach all over the place and, and what you've seen is absolutely phenomenal. But the interesting thing he mentioned in the first service was that 
normally you get about 100 cards filled in. How many people know in a church of 1,000, we could get a few more people who say, hey, I'm going to find a gap and fill it in. And you know what? You don't have to give $20,000, although please do if you've got $20,000. We'll take your $20,000 and raise it. But uh, how many people know you might put in $5? I reckon the best thing that could happen for us this year in our church is to have every single person in this church say, I'm going to engage with the vision of this church to transform the nations in Jesus' name and fill one of these in, even if, it, even if it's just a small amount. How many people know it's not firstly about the amount, it's about the heart and the endeavour and the partnership that we put together to transform the nations in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you to, to see a gap, to find a gap and fill that thing in, in Jesus' name. And so in this passage, it says that he sought for a man. And it, it says that he looks at, for all the people, prophets, priests, princes, and all these different types of people, but the reality is not one of them put their hand up and said, I'll fill in a faith promise card and partner with the church in Jesus' name. Well, back to our story for a moment. On the 1st of April 2002, uh, we started Metamorphic. Uh, why we were here, as I said before. And uh, the amazing thing about that, and some of you have heard this story, so I'll, I won't go on too long about it, but the reality was we were unemployed that morning. It was the first time in my life I've been unemployed. And, uh, and I was uh, about 39 or 40 years of age, and uh, I'm sitting there at my desk at 9 o'clock in the morning thinking, I've never been unemployed. I wouldn't even know how to apply for unemployment benefits, wouldn't even know where to go, wouldn't know what form to fill in. And I'm sitting there and thinking, we've got a dream, we've got a vision, but we don't have a job because, you know, we're not getting paid. Julie's going shopping, she says, so I do a big shop or a little shop. And I said, I reckon do a little shop because I don't know when we're getting paid again, you know, and I don't know how to claim unemployment benefits. So she leaves the house, but uh, within a couple of minutes, the phone rings. And long story cut short, on the first day of Metamorphic, we had $100,000 in the bank to start planting churches around the nations. Somebody here needs to hear that today. You know, sometimes we can get caught up with our current circumstance and, uh, and get our eyes on our circumstance when we need to get our eyes on the solution. Amen? Now, can, can I just go sideways here for a moment? Is that all right? I'll come back to missions. But somebody does need to hear this. You need to not focus on the problem. You need to focus on the solution in Jesus' name. Because God's got... How many people know that God is the solution? God is your solution. And we can get caught up on a health report, on our financial bank balance, on what happened this week or that week. And if we get caught up in that, sometimes we miss what God's got for us. Uh, I didn't say this in the first service, but you know, at the end of last year, we had to make a decision on one of our donors who we were talking about because they were a mismatch with our culture. We had to say goodbye to $200,000 per year that comes into our ministry. How many people know that if you lose $200,000 out of your business, that would be significant? How many people think that would be significant? How many people know that with $200,000 less to plant churches in the nations, I could make decisions based on budget and go, well, we're going to have to do less. How many people know that would be a reasonable thing to do and normal thinking? But how many people also know, if you know me well enough, I'm not normal? So you know what we did? Last week, we went and bought an office. We went and said, paid a deposit, signed on the dollar. It makes no sense in the, natural set, in the natural world, but how many people know we will not be limited by a circumstance or by a situation because we're people of faith and we believe that God has called us and he is the solution in Jesus' name. And so we buy an office and we're going to plant more churches than we've ever planted before just simply because God is God. Amen? And so for you, I want to encourage you outside of missions, in your own life, not to get 
get handicapped or paralyzed by your situation or your circumstances or your self-talk, but rather rise above that and let God be God in your situation in Jesus' name. Is that okay? All right, I'll come back and talk about missions now. I just need to have a little sort of, you know, burst there. So our our vision back uh, on the 1st of April 2002 seems a little bit sort of small now I say it. We had a vision to plant a 1,000 churches. And uh, at the time, people looked at us and said, you're a goose. They said, how are you going to plant a thousand churches? Because that, that seemed like a big vision back then. And, uh, but, and it, it did seem big to us as well. A thousand churches. I mean, I didn't know anyone that had planted a thousand churches. So that was our vision. People would say, where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the people? And I just kept saying, well, you know what? God's not running out of money. God's not running out of people. God's not running out of opportunity. And seeing as he's building his church, I don't really need to worry too much about that. I've just got to hear what the vision is and then walk in it. I've got to see the gap and then jump into that thing. And so we saw a gap. We saw a gap and we said, we're going to jump into this. God, we're available to plant a thousand churches. And so we got started. And two and a half years later, I had to retire because we planted a thousand churches. Well, that's it. Either you're calling me home now, God, or I'm, uh, I'm going to lay on a beach somewhere for the rest of my life. That lasted all of about an hour, and then God spoke to us again, and he gave us a new vision. And the vision we got was simply this, and this is our current vision, and this tells me that I'm probably going to live to be a very, very old man, because it's going to take a long time to fulfill this one. And our vision now is to be the largest, most influential church planting movement in the history of the world. That's a good vision, don't you think? How do you all like that vision? Now, some people look at me and go... You're a bit arrogant, aren't you? No, I'm not arrogant. I'm just godly confident. Big difference. Because I know without him, we ain't going to do that. But I'm not without him. I'm with him. Amen? And so that's what I believe. And so, I mean, what would be the alternative? We have a vision to be the second largest uh, church planting movement in history. That would be really inspiring, wouldn't it? How how many people would like to hear from a guy who wants to lead the second largest uh, church planting movement in history? You probably would listen. But wouldn't you rather listen to the guy who's got the vision with his wife to plant more churches than anyone else in history? I'd rather listen to that person. And the truth is, that's the vision God's given us, and we're walking in that now, and we've seen God do some phenomenal things around the world in Jesus' name. So now, in the last 14 years, let me just give you a few figures that will help you see the context of what we've been able to see happen. Now, understand, we don't do any of this alone. How many people know that we have a team? You're part of our team. Because every year, you actually donate. You put money on a faith promise card, And some of that comes to us so that we can plant churches around the world. We have people in the nations we work in who we work through to plant amazing churches. I've got a great team who work out of our office, the new office that we just bought with money that we shouldn't be spending because, you know, we just lost $200,000. So, I mean, it makes no sense. But how many people know God can pay for an office? He didn't look at it and go, $330,000 for an office, that's a bit too much. You know what? He looked at that and said, man, maybe you should buy three. (laughs) <laughs> I might just do that this week, who knows? But here's the thing, is, so God's given us this, this, this vision to plant churches around the globe and in 14 years, this is what we've been able to do. We've planted 6,288 churches around the world. Now you say that quickly and you go, oh, that's nice, but 6,288 churches with an average of 137 people in each one. We'll do the math on that in a moment. Now that's the churches that we've actually personally 
been engaged with. So I've trained all of those pastors. They've been through our program, and I've personally engaged with every single one of those. So that's not, we ran a seminar, and there were a few people up the back that planted a church. They're the people whose data is on our database, with their picture, with their statistics that are updated every month, so we know exactly what's happening with them. So 6,288 churches. But here's the, the beauty of this, is you can't graduate from our program until you plant a second church. So now you can double 6,288. Because from my way of thinking, the kingdom of God is about multiplication. And it's not just about going, well, let's plant a church and do that for the rest of my life. We plant churches that plant churches. And so every one of our church plants has to plant a minimum of one other church. So we know that the 6,288 churches has already resulted in a minimum of 12,576 churches around the world. I reckon that that's a pretty cool thing. And God's in this. And the reason God's in it is because the Bible says he is building his church. Here's the good thing. I don't even have to do much. I just got to turn up. I just got to believe a little bit. Just got to raise a few dollars occasionally, smile on a few church planters, and he builds his church. Some people think that I'm a genius, but the reality is I am a genius. (laughs) I just let God be God and I just be me. A lot of other people run around doing stuff that God's going, oh, that's nice. If you do that, you can do that. But I'm doing the stuff that God's doing. I'm going, you know what? My Bible says he's building his church. So if I get involved with that, he does all the heavy lifting. (laughs) That's pretty cool, isn't it? How many people want to come and be church planters now? You go, that sounds good. Not too much work. All right, 12,576 churches. Let's just do the math on that. 137 people average. And we have very good data on this. That's 1.722 million people that have been born again in the last 14 years. I reckon that's pretty cool. Now, I'd struggle to pastor a church that big, but I can pastor pastors that can pastor churches that get to that size. But here's the amazing thing. That's as far as we take our our stats. So if you look at our website or if you look at our brochures, we'll never talk about any more than that. But we know there's a lot more than that. Because we audit all of our churches, just so you understand the process of what you're investing in. Because some people think, oh, it's nice, you run a church planning ministry. So what, you, you run a seminar and encourage people to plant churches? Actually, no, we don't do that. We train people up, we mentor them, then we audit everything that we do. So we have independent auditors that come from universities in both in Australia and in, uh, in the UK who go and spend three to six months They're people that are community uh, development specialists doing their master's degrees. And so they love the opportunity to go and count things for us. And so we send them out and we go, hey, we'll put you in a place in Cambodia or or Uganda or wherever it might be. And what we want you to do is we want you to go and count the churches. We want you to see how many there really are, not how many the preacher said there was. And so they go out and they count them. And not only do they do that, they go to church and they count the heads in church. Now they go one head, two heads, three heads... I'm not going to be rude and say any of you have got two heads, don't worry. So they go like this, okay? And they count, and literally we go as far as doing all of that. And we count those people. This is what we found. Of all of our auditing of African Asian churches, the average church plants 4.2 churches. How many people know that's pretty cool? We quote two. So let me just, to humor you and, you know, humor myself for a moment, let's just do the math on 4.2. Because what I want you to see is how powerful. A dollar can be when you sow it into good soil. 
how powerful a prayer can be if you pray over something that God's got his hand on. Because our, our missions activities, our missions endeavours, our missions sowing, our missions praying is not in vain. It's not just the program of the church, but it's revolutionising and transforming the world that we're in, in Jesus' name. And so this is the result we end up with. We end up with 26,409 churches times 137 people, which is 3.618 million people that have actually been saved in those churches. I I reckon that's cool. I love that. And almost 15 years ago, we looked at how missions was done. And what we saw was a gap and we decided to fill it. Because there's a lot of good things we can do in missions. But there's one great thing, and I believe it's planting churches. And the reason I say that is because I believe in the church. Does anyone believe in the church? I believe there's one thing that God has purposed and called us to and has created that is supposed to be the agent of transformation. There are a lot of things we do in church. You don't all have to go and plant a church because how many people know that this local church needs to reach out into its community? But in terms of what we can do in the nations of the world, the quickest way to win this world is to plant thousands upon thousands of churches in neighbourhoods where there is no gospel witness. That's how we win this world in Jesus' name. And that's why we have the vision to be the largest most influential church planning movement in history. We see a gap and then we go and stand in it. We don't see a gap and then make it bigger. How many people know you can see a gap and then make it bigger? You can see an issue in society. Let me bring it back to a local level. We can see an issue in society and then we can make it bigger because we beat it up and we talk about it. But how many people know we need to be the solution? We need to be Jesus in our local community. And so when you see a gap, whether it's a social gap, whether it's a, a, you know, a gender gap, whether it's, a, you know, it's a, a philosophy gap or whatever it might be, rather than talking about it and beating it up, we need to be the answer and the solution that place in our local community and say, you know what? God said, I looked everywhere for someone that would stand in the gap. God, even before the gap appears, I'm ready to jump into that thing because I will be the solution in Jesus' name. I love that. I love our community. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a lot of issues we could be talking, a lot of issues that church is talking about today. But I reckon the best thing we can do is see the gap and go and stand in it and not beat it up and make it bigger than what it is. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it tells you exactly why we plant churches. And it says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many people know this is a foolproof missions program? You want to know what the best missions program can be? It's this. And why is it this? Because it doesn't rely on me. It says, I will build my church. How many people know that it's better to invest in something that Jesus is building than something that I'm building? Would you agree? I'm going to invest in the thing that he's building. And he says, I will build my church. And then not only does he say, I will do the work, but then he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, I'll build it and I'll protect it. You want to know how to invest in emissions? Plant some churches in Jesus' name. And that's exactly what we're doing as a church. I want to encourage you that your giving is really making some traction in the nations of the world and doing some great things. I know there are lots of other things that tug on our heartstrings. But there's one thing that Jesus is building, and it's called the church. And that's what you and I should be investing in, in Jesus' name. I love that. So he builds it, he protects it. And that's why we do what we do at Metamorphic. So back to our scripture just for a moment. In the scripture, there were prophets, priests, princes, and people. And the thing with those people is they were all distracted. 
And so God was looking for someone and there was none. And so for us at Life Source this month, in Missions Month, we have the opportunity to reset. We have the opportunity to reconsider our priorities. We have the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not going to get distracted with my stuff. I'm not going to get distracted with my circumstance. I'm not going to get distracted with my ministry or my business. All those things are important to you and to God. But how many people know what we've got to do is see a gap and fill that thing? And that's what this Faith Promise card is about. That's what volunteering to help in terms of doing things in our local community is all about. It's about saying, you know what? I'm going to find a gap. I'm going to see a gap. And I'm going to go to that place and I'm going to fill it in Jesus' name. And so anything that stops us standing in that gap is a distraction. Just one more passage of scripture, and then I'll talk a little bit about what we do so you have an understanding. But Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, another obvious passage of scripture. We all know it as the, the Great Commission. How many of you know it's not called the Good Commission? It's called the Great Commission. And we've all probably read that book. Uh, about good to great but how many people know that good can be the enemy of great quite often there's a lot of good things that we can do in the world but there's one great thing we can do and that is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to nations and neighborhoods where it's never been heard before and the quickest way to do that is to plant churches and to do great community outreach like this church does around this city in Jesus name what we do really does matter it really makes a difference I know there's a lot of NGOs doing great work out there and and, and God love them for what they do around the place but I want to tell you something the most powerful organization uh, organism in the world is the church of the living God and you and I need to understand who we are and what we're positioned to do and have our hand up saying you know what I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to change and transform the city that I'm in and the nations that we work through in Jesus' name. Oh, I love that. I love that we are empowered to do that because Jesus is clear about this is how we can be effective. So the best missions program is this. The best missions program is locally we get absolutely engaged in our local community and we find the gap and we meet the need. Amen? Because how many people know, you know, we can almost go, missions is overseas. So if I put a little bit of money on the Faith Promise card, I've done my bit. But the news is we've got to have a local and global approach. Amen? And I want to encourage you, have a look for what you can do locally. And if you're one of those people that likes doing things locally, don't think you're off the hook for that. Because we're called to be a global influence in Jesus' name. And so I think everyone in this place today, everyone in our church here at Life Source, needs to have a local and a global focus. And you might be bent one way more than the other, I get that, but we should all, I need to understand that even though I'm running around the world planting churches, I have a role to play in my local neighbourhood. There are neighbours that have needs. There's a community around about me that where there are gaps that I need to run to and fill in Jesus' name. And I'm called to do that as much as I'm called to go to Cambodia or Moldova or Uganda or somewhere like that and plant churches and inspire thousands. How many people know it's just important that I reach over the neighborhood's uh, neighbor's fence and actually speak into his or her life in Jesus' name? And so I've got to see that gap and walk in it. So when we talk about globally, I think the thing that we can do, locally, we reach out to our community, then globally we should plant churches. And the reason I say plant churches is when we plant churches, we plant churches that can reach their own community. You and I don't need to reach their communities. What we need to do is empower them to plant churches 
so that they can do what we do here in Jesus' name. How many people know that's a pretty good strategy? That's what I believe God is telling us to do. If we have a look up at the screen, I've got a couple of slides here of what I mean by this because when we train our church planters, one of the things that we do is we teach them to do a map. And uh, that looks a little bit random when it sort of just appears on a screen. But all 6,288 churches that we've planted have got a map that looks like that or the next one that we'll show you just so you can see the, the variation. And what we do is we teach them to look at their communities to survey their communities, to talk to village leaders, to talk to political leaders, to speak to policemen, to speak to educators and find out what is really happening in their local community and they draw it on a map and then part of the program we put them through is they then have to find the gap and go and fill it. How many people know that's what missions is all about? So they don't just start a Sunday service and have great worship and great prayer, although we should have those things, absolutely. But what they do is they start, even before their first meeting, they know what the real need is in the community and they have a plan for how they can be the solution in Jesus' name. And so that's what we do around the world. And so when we talk about planning churches, we're not talking about just Sunday services, but we're talking about units of transformation where they know the heartbeat of their local community and are doing something about that. I said in the first service, you know, again, there are good things that we can do. Like, I think orphanages are a good thing. Would you agree? I think they're a good thing. But I still think there's a great thing. It's called the church. And how many people know that if the church looks after widows and orphans, we no longer need orphanages? Now, unfortunately, currently we do need orphanages. But how many people know that if we could come up with a way where churches would have a plan like that, where they say, you know what? We have a need in our local community and our need in our local community is there's 100 orphans. Why don't we as a church embrace them, community adopt them, bring them into our family so they get a relationship with Jesus and they come to church and they worship? How many people know that would be a pretty cool solution? We did this recently, or actually about three years ago now, in Burundi where we met with a a guy named Bishop Talisfor. And uh, with Bishop Talisfor, we planted... 90 churches, and the last report we got was that he was up to 320 churches, so they keep multiplying. They're like rabbits, you know, not the people, the churches, you know. And, uh, and uh, although they do breed like rabbits too, the people up there, and uh, probably need to go up there and do some lessons on birth control or something, I'm not sure, but uh, the nation is just, you know, growing rapidly. But uh, we went up there and, uh, and he said, I want to show you my orphanages. And so I went and looked at them. And he said, oh, what do you think? And I go, yeah, they're good. You're really caring for people, but you've got 400 people that are institutionalised. What about if we can come up with another solution? Now, he wasn't doing a bad thing, he's doing a good thing. At least he was doing something. There's a lot of people weren't doing anything. And he's going, these poor kids have got nowhere to live. And by the way, he had five kids he'd adopted himself, so he understood the principle. But what we did was I said to him, why don't we pull all the leaders of churches together and re-educate them on the mandate and the responsibility of the local church? So we did. He ran it. I just turned up. And he convinced the pastors in the city to say, we will community adopt every one of these children. And over a two-year period, every one of those children were placed in a Christian family to serve and worship God in the local... How many people know that's really, really cool? And here's the genius of it. They had to raise a lot of money to keep orphanages open. Now, it's low-cost housing for the poor. Now it's income producing. 
And it pays for the case managers that go around and visit the kids to make sure that they're well looked after. How many people know that's the church in action? And I'm not, by the way, don't, please don't misunderstand. I'm not having to go at orphanages. We should always have orphanages because there'll always be a crisis where kids have lost their parents and they need somewhere to go. But what we need is a plan after that, which is to take people in through that process and the church can be what the church is supposed to be. What I'm saying to you today is, you know what? The best solution for this world is called the church of the living God and you and I are the church. We are the solution in Jesus' name. And that's why we've got to see a gap and then we've got to go and stand in it. Not point at the gap, not make the gap bigger, but rather say, I can see it, I'm going to stand in there and I will be the solution in Jesus' name. So how do you plant that many churches? Well, you plant that many churches with God's help, but with many partners, partners like you, partners in Africa, partners in Asia, partners in Europe, people that really are passionate about the cause of Jesus Christ and the church. We do it with all sorts of different people getting involved. We've got 6,288 people running churches and communities. How many people know that that is a big network of referrals of people that want to come in? For every time we want to do a church planning program with 20 people, we have 50 applications of gun people who are saying, I want to plant a church. There is a movement across the world right now that is rippling through the nations we work in where all we've got to do now is begin to raise more resources and we can take this planet in Jesus. Jesus' name. I love that. The largest, most influential church planning movement in history. So what we do very quickly is we teach people how to think. We teach them about their own development. We teach them how to plant churches. We teach them how to impact their communities and we teach them how to run a business to sustain themselves. All 6,288 churches that we planted are all uh, financed by their own small business. Everyone know that's pretty cool. See, we have to raise money to plant them in the, at the beginning, but once they get up and running, we never have to give them another dollar. In fact, quite the opposite. They fund the next church planter. When they plant their second church or their 4.2 churches, they raise someone up and they put them in a business. They duplicate the model because the kingdom of God is about multiplication. So what next for us at Metamorphic? Well, what's next is we're going to find more gaps and we're going to go and fill them. In Asia... We're working in Cambodia at the moment. We're about to start back in Vietnam, the Philippines, and we're just about to meet with a guy from Pakistan uh, next month who uh, we're going to work with him to plant churches amongst the brickyards in uh, Pakistan. The brickyards are a place where people are in slavery, in forced slavery, where they've got into debt and they have to go and work in the brickyards. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are legal slaves, are in these places and they work in the brickyards and they can't get out because they don't earn enough money to ever pay off their debt. So they're held captive. How many people know that there is only one solution to those people and it's called the church? And so we're going to go and we're going to plant churches in the brickyards. We're going to break the poverty cycle and break slavery over these people's lives just simply because we can, just simply because we're anointed, just simply because we're called in Jesus' name. We're in Africa working in Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, North Africa. We're about to do some new work up in Algeria and Morocco and in Europe. And I'm going to close with this is the places we're working in. But uh, we're about to work in Moldova, and uh, the Ukraine's another place that we've really got on our hearts. But Moldova's an amazing place. And I mention this because when you talk about Europe, sometimes people go, well, don't, you know, can't they look after themselves? But you know Moldova is ranked 146 in terms of GDP in the world. It's one of the poorest nations in the world. In fact, it's poorer than half of Africa. The average person in Moldova 
in this is in Europe, earns three thousand and sixty-two dollars per year, and I reckon we, the church, could do something about it. So we're going to Moldova, and we're planning twenty churches in January, and we're going to put them all in small businesses, and we're going to start with the next generation of young people to break the poverty cycle over that nation, because we've seen a gap, and we're going to fill it in Jesus' name. Hey, church, I want to thank you for your support of us and everything we do around the the, the nations. And uh, God love you. And uh, just let's keep partnering together as together we transform this world in one generation. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.